Let's go to San Francisco. It's been uh, day one of the season-ending sale GP regatta in San Francisco. New Zealand, of course, are one of the teams taking part, but they've had a day that, uh, on the face of things, doesn't look entirely impressive. A third, a fifth, and a last. The final day of the season is tomorrow. One of the most versatile uh, journalists in our stable is Chris Reeve from the New Zealand Herald, who joins us out of San Francisco. How'd you get this junket, mate? Oh, mate, your guess is as good as mine. I got a message from the boss probably a day or two before I flew out saying, pack your bags, and uh, here we are. I presume it is a return ticket. Yes, it is a return ticket. I will be back. That's good to know. All right, talk us through today. Will New Zealand be disappointed with how they went today? Yeah, they. I mean, they are. Um, I talked to Blair Tuke after the racing, and um, they were pretty disappointed, particularly with how that last race went. Um, San Francisco can be quite temperamental in terms of how the wind actually plays ball with you. And uh, today they found themselves, despite the fact that Japan were able to get over 90 uh, kilometres an hour in the last race, the New Zealand team found themselves in a pocket where there was just no wind and they couldn't get going, which was extremely frustrating for them. And uh, I know they they are hoping to get into that fourth overall spot, but they they need to do a little bit better than what they did today to to get that mark. So to three so three races today, a third, a fifth, and and a last place. So how many more, Chris? Two tomorrow, I think I saw. Is that right? Yeah, so normally at a sale GP event, they have three and then two on the second day, and then the third one on the second day would be the event um, championship. But because this is the grand final, they find an event winner after that fifth race, so the second race on the second day, and then that third race is just going to be the three-team shootout for the the million-dollar check. So it's unlikely, and in fact, is it now impossible that New Zealand can make the top three? At this stage, it's looking like um, they will be hoping two of the three top teams crash and burn and cannot race on that third race. So, yes, all looking good. We spoke to Carl Budge yesterday, who's in, involved as event director, of course, of, of Sail GP and, and a big part of the, the series coming to New Zealand next year. And he painted a bit of a picture for us. Uh, that was on practice day, though. What's it like watching these boats out on the water in competitive action? Oh, the first thing I said when I got out on the water a couple of days ago just to just to watch them practice was it's so much more impressive when you're seeing it live. Like Honestly, seeing them this week, I can't wait for the event uh, in New Zealand next year. I think a lot of people are going to be quite surprised at just how fast these boats are and how quickly you can turn them. I mean, these are big boats on the water, but the way that they have control of these things, it's, it's really, really impressive and uh I mean, these these boats were getting about a meter or two from our from our little chase boat, and you know, like, I mean, we were freaking out because it was so close. But yeah, it's just the way that they handle them, and they are impressive machines. How much activity is there on board? Are, are the sailors scurrying around, or the, do they tend to stay in the same place most of the time? Uh, there's a lot of scurrying around. It's quite entertaining to watch. You see them sort of move over the boats in, uh, in, in groups of two or three, uh, depending on where they sit, just to, to make sure that, you know, things stay afloat. Uh, a lot of scurrying around.
That's good to know. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different types of sailing events, and and Peter Burling and Blair Chuk we know are still part of off Team New Zealand and and the America's Cup defence to come. But um, but where do you think Sail GP sits for them, Chris? Do you think they're uh, they're quite keen to to really dedicate quite a bit of time and energy to this? Yeah, I think they are, and now that they don't have the Olympics um, hovering over them, they can really focus on sail GP and, and learning the boat and learning how things work in this sort of uh, sailing scenario. Being a yearly competition, it gives them sort of that uh, that consistency of, of competition. And with sail GP, they have the best sailors in the world here. I mean, Ben Ainsley's here, Jimmy Spittle, uh, Tom Slingsby, just, just, any any top sailor you you could name that here on board and sailing in that comp- level of competition is, I mean you you won't find that anywhere else in the world. So I think those boys would be very interested in keeping going and, and really pushing the sail GP team and getting getting more Kiwis interested in in this kind of sailing and uh, eventually you know getting more and more interest in in Kiwis joining the team. And you spoke before about how impressive they are up close and how you know close to the line they they sail these boats because I think there have been a couple of uh, couple of crashes, haven't they? If they're called crashes, capsizes, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate events, man, because they they are pushing these these craft to the limit, aren't they? They are. Um, when I was out on the water the other day, when I came back, not long after that, the Australians capsized and did some damage to their boat. Um, yeah, timing wasn't great on that one. I missed all that going down, but hey. Um, but so they were in the shed all day yesterday, and they came out today. I expected them to be pretty, you know, pretty chill in in terms of what they were doing on the water. They're already guaranteed for the grand finals, so they don't need to do anything too drastic. And no, uh, they they just came out aggressive as they've been all season. Uh, they almost had a couple of crashes. Uh, they they earned a proximity penalty for cutting Spain off. Um, so, yeah, they, they really don't hold anything back on the water. If they crash, they crash. That kind of seems to be the mentality. All right. Well, look forward to the uh, the final day of the season tomorrow. Uh, just while I've got you, though, I mentioned your versatility at the start, which I hope has buttered you up enough to uh, to give us some insight into Kaikata France and his latest uh, exploits in the UFC. Can you give us a, a broad picture of what he has achieved in the last little while? I can. So uh, not long ago, actually, Kai fought the number two ranked flyweight in the UFC, um, Askar Askarov. He's a, a wrestling-based fighter from Russia. And Kai went into this fight, I think he was paying about 350 on TAB last I checked. And uh, yeah, he, he really impressed, got the win. Uh, unanimous decision win. So he should be the uh, next in line for the title shot at, at flyweight now. they They've booked a, a rematch between Davison Figueredo, who's the champion, and former champion Brandon Moreno. This will be their fourth fight in a row. Uh, but the winner of that should be fighting Kaikara France next, which is huge for Kai given, you know, not, not that long ago, he was sort of going through an up-and-down period with a win and a loss and a win and a loss. But it's quite interesting. Ever since he's had his, his son enter his life, he has just gone from strength to strength and he's got two first round knockouts and now this win over a guy that not many people thought he was going to be able to deal with so I mean sky's the limit for Kaikata France 
So is he a, is he a shot at the title? Is he? I mean, if he if he does get that opportunity, which by the sounds of things he will, he'd be a good chance, would he? Yeah, I think he would be. Um, so Brandon Moreno fought him. Uh, when was that? Twenty eighteen, I think. Um, and that was a really competitive fight. Brandon got the win on that occasion. And I'd, I'd love to see those two fight again. It was an extremely exciting fight. But a lot of people thought that Askar Askarov would be probably the toughest stylistic matchup for Kai in this division. And so getting over that challenge is a, is a huge hurdle to jump. And the, the two at the top of the division are more, more sort of striking base. They can go to ground, but they prefer to keep things standing. And with Kai, that's, that's where he lives. So, I think he, he's a great chance against either of those two guys. What kind of guy is he? Is he a good guy? Laid back? They all seem pretty laid back, given what they do once they get inside the octagon. Is he is he a good guy? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all, like you say, they're all very laid back. Um, very respectful. Always says hello whenever I'm wandering around the gym. Always responds to messages. He's just a just a good guy. I know there's a few people around the country who who could probably back that up. Um, I know some people went like card collecting and uh, souvenir collecting will go to him and ask him for him to, to sign things. I don't think he's ever said no to anyone. So he just loves his job, loves the fans and yeah, makes, makes sure he sort of repays all the support he gets. All right. Good day today for Kata France. Uh, not such a good day for New Zealand and the sale GP. Any other sports you'd like to cover off for us before we let you go? Uh, no, I don't think so today, Jason. Um, unfortunately, not quite as uh, exciting an interview as Chris Wood, but hey, I try. <laughs> oh, no, well, look, we, we don't rank them on this show. We don't rank them in terms of importance. We, uh, we treat everybody as equal. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate your time. Good to chat to you, man. Safe travels. Thanks, mate. Catch you later.